part of the problem sometimes was that like I love too many different things. Mm. So that has never helped me, even though it's like a great thing in a way. It makes it hard to kind of narrow your mm. path down. Yeah. So I think I was just like constantly on this search to find something that felt true to me and something that would truly make me happy. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Dear Seekers. This is Sasha Shell, and that was Fran Miller. As you could hear, my constant mm-hmm was pretty loud and clear. What Fran shares deeply resonated with me. You may want to stay till the end because I'll be sharing something personal on why this conversation really hits home for me. And if you are new to Dear Seekers, welcome. This is a biweekly podcast that celebrates intriguing, inspiring, and insightful women in fashion, arts, and design. Although the definition of art is pretty loose here. Recording from the city of Toronto, every two weeks I travel to a woman's home, sit down with her, get to know her story, and then we will do a little photo shoot for our website, dearseekers.com, that lets you peer through a window to this woman's style and space. You will get to see what she wears and what other objects she chooses to surround herself with. Today, I'm sitting down with Fran Miller. Creator of her namesake beauty line, F. Miller, a botanical natural beauty line that seriously is a Toronto and Canada's highly prized child. Her products have not only been a favorite for many major publication editors, such as Vogue, Domino, Monaco, Into the Gloss, The File, just to name a few, but are often spotted on many it girls' bathroom counters and top shelves. And for Fran herself. She has also been featured on many beloved online magazines, like Grand Store, The Covetour, and more. So you may wonder what contributed to all of these milestones and PR love for Fran and F. Miller. Well, many factors, of course. But what brilliant about Fran is this? She finds many things intriguing and has used that to her full advantage. And manage to marry all of the things that interest her into this one line. So she's not just selling bottles of oils for your face and body. Oh, and hair actually. More importantly, she's selling a feeling, a visual story, and a dream world. If you visit her Instagram at fmillerskincare, you will see that less than half of the photos are about the products. In her beautiful home slash her studio in Roncesvalles, we chat about her crush in high school, the years of being directionless, and what her next moves are to continue to set F. Miller apart from the competition. I was born pretty much near Bathurst and Steeles, which was a heavily Russian Jewish neighborhood, and then we kind of moved a little bit within like Thornhill, and I went to high school near Dufferin and Finch. Very specific, but <laughs> it's like wow, Dufferin yeah. and Finch. <laughs> Very specific, and so we lived kind of like York Mills and Bayview area, and then I moved downtown when I was in university.、Mm. Yeah. So, what do you think growing up in the neighborhood? Or neighborhoods you have shape who you are today. I think I was just always excited to go downtown. <laughs> so my parents are of Russian descent, and I think that was like a natural neighborhood to kind of live in for them. I think neighborhoods like that kind of definitely have like a family kind of dynamic to them in a way, because you know everyone speaks the same language and. You have all your familiar stores and food and everything that kind of feels comfortable, and so it always felt there's it's super green and there's parks and everything. So I think I was just always kind of like 
outside and spending time with mm-hmm. just like friends and family and can you speak any russian i do, yeah it's technically my first language really <laughs> yeah can you so, say something right now oh god <laughs> <laughs> bah. Um, what would you say it's very nice today uh, this is pressure pressure's on <laughs> hey i thought it was your first language no. <laughs> well when i went to school i started speaking english and then like when i started in kindergarten I pretty much just only started speaking English. And it wasn't until I was 12 that I really, I felt like I I wasn't speaking that well anymore. And so I kind of made a conscious effort to try and speak more because I understand fluently. But my parents kind of just, they started speaking English to me when I was younger. So they would speak a mix of Russian and English to me and I would respond in English So I started trying to speak again with my grandmother, and then I kind of like was able to pick it back up. But if a Russian-speaking person heard me, they would definitely be able to detect my accent. It's cool. It's definitely cool to know another language, and one that's so complicated. (laughs) I know, right? I have a few Russian friends. Every time they speak something, I just feel like they're from a totally different world. Mm -hmm. I can sense the tone if they're like actually arguing, or they actually... And then they will be like... Laughing and it's yeah. oh, okay. They're not arguing. They're just chatting away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I it guess sometimes kind of interesting. It can be a very hard language. Um, very passionate. Physically, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but I can say like Minyazavut, Fran. <laughs> <laughs> is that my name? Is Fran? That's my name. Is Fran? <laughs> yeah. So what is your family like? My parents are totally different from one another. My mom is incredibly hardworking, probably the strongest person I know. Very gives everything for everyone, almost to a fault, probably at times. But she's just like highly intelligent, very independent, entrepreneur, was always kind of like career focused but at the same time I think focused on success not just for herself but for her family and making sure that she could provide everything she possibly could and also set me up for success as much as possible. My dad is definitely more of an artist type. My mom is like math and business and Mm. just knows everything and thinks she knows everything about everything (laughs) and uh but she usually does (laughs) and my dad is a bit more of a free spirit I would say so incredibly talented creatively was kind of and is still kind of just a jack of all trades passionate about art and and he also is kind of more of like the childlike quality so I was an only child but I kind of just like hung out with my dad all the time. <laughs> he was like a sibling in a way. I think That's so cute. Yeah, I, I, I definitely have a lot of personality traits from both of them. It's like a total mixed bag. I think I got the best in both of them. <laughs> Did you tell them that? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I think they know. <laughs> but it does make sense. Now you have your own business. It's kind of that kind of entrepreneurial business background from your mom mm-hmm. mixed with artistic yeah, creative totally. side from your dad yeah most of the family that we have in toronto is all on my mom's side she had a lot of cousins and sisters a lot of very strong female personalities and those are kind of the people that were the closest to me and i think the ones I looked up to. And they're all so different as well. You know, like my aunts were super close to me, almost like second mothers in a way. Mm. And I think overall in our family, it's definitely like a a strong female presence. The women kind of rule everything (laughs) and make all the decisions. That definitely shaped me in a way. From a very young age, probably, I want to say, like, grade five, grade four or five, I became obsessed with Will Smith. Oh, really? Yeah, like, 
Like, we're talking obsession. Like, I had a full wall of photos that was just Will Smith. Oh, wow. For my bat mitzvah. My dad, who, when I was really little, he did claymation. He did, like, animation stuff and did sculpted for, like, movies and little, like, commercials and stuff. And so his close friend, who was a animator as well yeah made for my bit mitzvah made a sculpture of will smith in the men in black <laughs> suit <laughs> and yeah it was like a full-on like <laughs> i can't even, <laughs> it's just too stupid but <laughs> no it sounds so cool and like that was like my surprise gift for my bit mitzvah and they like had it on the head table <laughs> so funny <laughs> But yeah, no, we're talking. Like I was, I really liked him a lot. That was like my my dream was to right. meet him. Never happened. <laughs> you never know. Maybe one day. Yeah. I think when I was younger, it took me a while to kind of break through to a point where I was completely self confident and didn't really look to others for approval, mm-hmm. I guess. And I think when I was younger, I kind of fell prey more to to those things based on like my group of friends and the school I was in. And I think once I kind of reached high school, something in me changed. What changed? I think I just, I don't know. I just realized I didn't really care what anyone else thought (laughs) about me (laughs) in high school Um, that was pretty early for someone yeah like kind of had that realization it was like a the turning point was entering grade 10 i would say i think my creativity really kind of bloomed my self-expression i wasn't really concerned too much with if you fit in or not. If I fit in or people liked what I was wearing. Yeah, that's interesting because yeah. usually high school or the is year, a tough time. Yeah, yeah. The year is trying to figure out who you were yeah. and then trying to fit in. Yeah. Um, not to say I knew exactly who yeah. I was then, but I wasn't afraid to figure it out and experiment and, and just kind of, I wasn't looking to the cliques of girls and yeah. for approval and stuff like that. So, yeah. And what kind of things you were doing kind of differently that you didn't you didn't It definitely get? started with fashion. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was interested in fashion from a young age for sure, partially probably because of my mom, she also had a love for clothing and shopping. Um <laughs> as simple as putting together outfits, but I wasn't anymore looking to see what everyone else was wearing so that I could go and buy the same thing. I was kind of just doing my own thing. And I was really taking pride in like the more outlandish looks that I was putting together. Not that they were that crazy in retrospect, but (laughs) not that I liked the attention, but I was like, yeah, I'm going to wear this like weird thing and I think it's cool. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it started there. And then towards the end of high school, I think I really, you know, got to a point where I was like, I love art. I love design. These are the things that I'm passionate about. And the majority of people in my school were not kind of on that same path. You know, I wasn't shying away from the things that I really liked because of that. I, I want to go to school for fashion. I knew by the end of high school, that's exactly what I wanted to do. I went to Ryerson for fashion communication. When I was younger, much younger, I was like illustrating designs mm-hmm. in notebooks and you know, like, whatever, thought I was going to be like a designer. This was like, later, really early on, I wanted to be like a veterinarian and other things, but quickly realized (laughs) that was not for me. Um, How did you realize that? I really just wanted to be a vet because I wanted to work with animals because I love animals. Yeah. But Um, then what did you realize it wasn't for you? I realized that I wasn't very good at math and science. And I (laughs) didn't want to (laughs) try and be better at it. And knowing how many years of (laughs) school that would take, I was like, no, not for me. (laughs) Um. And then, yeah, I I definitely kind of got into fashion and beauty. I also loved like makeup and beauty for a brief moment, kind of was like, maybe I'll be a makeup artist. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of like took the fashion route and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do though. I think it, it became very clear to me by the time I was kind of nearing the end of high school that I didn't want to actually be a fashion designer. I wanted to work 
in the industry and kind of on the more business side of things. Mm. Um, so I knew I wanted to find a fashion program, mm-hmm. but I was hoping that by the end of that fashion program, mm-hmm. I would come out with newfound knowledge about what other job opportunities in the fashion industry there were because I really only knew about buying retail wholesale Mm -hmm. magazines or you're a designer I was like there's got to be like a million other things that you could do but out of the things you just mentioned nothing was something that you thought could be your career path I think nothing felt totally right Mm. retail obviously you know I had started working retail pretty much as soon as I went to university. It didn't seem like it was somewhere I would want to be for a a really long time, unless it was like some amazing store. I wasn't like ruling things out necessarily, but buying, I realized that I would need math skills that I didn't have. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, math again. Yeah. (laughs) Back to the topic. I literally took a buying course at Ryerson and like dropped it within the first week. No joke. The first day he gave us a math quiz to take home. And I was like, oh, God. (laughs) So. So fashion buying is now out of the picture. What else can I try? Fran is asking herself. And this opportunity comes. So I had a moment after third year where I got a really amazing internship at W Magazine in New York. Yeah. So I. Wow. Did that for a summer. I lived in New York. It was a great experience. You know, it definitely felt like I was like, this is it. Like, (laughs) this is, you know, a huge publication. I'm in New York. Like, so just what you imagine, like the dream to be. Right. Even though it was hard. What were you doing at at W? I was working in the fashion closet, working with stylists, Mm. editors, kind of like typical internship, I guess, managing incoming outgoing samples, stuff like that. And then I kind of became closer with one of the senior market editor there somehow. And I was super lucky. She kind of just started involving me in like a couple projects separately that she was doing. Towards the end of my internship, I went to Montreal with her Oddly enough. Oh, wow. To shoot Celine Dion. What? (laughs) Yeah, it was like so bizarre. (laughs) Celine Dion's really cool. (laughs) (laughs) So what was your role in that project? I was just kind of like assisting her. Whatever she needs you. Yeah, like schlepping the bags around. Like Mm -hmm. basically still an intern, but just helping out with everything. Mm -hmm. And then it was over. And I was really devastated. (laughs) Because I had one more year of school left. And I didn't really want to go back to school. It was like so bittersweet, you know, but it just like for whatever reason wasn't an option in my mind, which I often, not often, but I sometimes think about, you know, like what would have happened if I just kind of said like, screw it, I'm just going to like stay here. But financially, it was not (laughs) really an option. And in my mind, I was like, well, I have to graduate. I can't not graduate. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that it just didn't like I was like I have to go back there's no choice so yeah I came back and was like pretty depressed for a bit (laughs) (laughs) ended up having my last year and then I graduated I was kind of hoping that by going through the program which was four years I would gain a better understanding of what other job opportunities there were and I kind of graduated and still didn't know what I wanted to do And then I started looking for jobs and I couldn't really find anything. What and kind then, of jobs are you looking for? I don't even think I really knew. So I was kind of just like looking in the general like fashion industry, but obviously the majority of things available in Toronto were retail, wholesale. It was also, this was 2008. Right. So... Were even less opportunities. Then. Yeah, like the the landscape <laughs> in the city was pretty different. Mm. We had our own kind of fashion magazines, but for whatever reason, that didn't even really grab me. Nothing really seemed like it fit. 
Yeah. And then I just ended up kind of going into retail, you know, slightly more in like a managerial avenue, but like it was retail. And I did that for a few years. And then I went into wholesale because I was like, I can't work in retail. (laughs) I don't want to work in retail. And then I was in wholesale for almost three years. Also was like, nope. And this is definitely not for me either. Four years in fashion school didn't clear the skies for Fran. After bouncing back and forth between retail and wholesale, eventually Fran has a now or never moment and decides to make F. Miller and business. It may seem like a drastic turn, but now looking back, the seed was planted a long time ago. It's funny because I, I remembered this like a little while ago and I totally had never even thought about it until this memory just popped into my mind of my mom when I was pretty young gave me this book all about how terrible most of the products that we use are and about like all of the toxins and chemicals that are put into things. And I completely forgot about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> like, where's that book now? <laughs> and how old are you? I must have been like 13, 14. Oh, wow. Yeah. So the sea was planted then, eh? Yeah, I guess like not obviously not intentionally, mm-hmm. but I think we've always been very much into like good food and home cooking and taking care of your body and immigrants. It's a kind of a newer lifestyle for them. So when I was super young, organic and health food stores and like that kind of thing didn't really exist. But my mom kind of quickly learned a lot of things <laughs> and realized like, oh, no, we should be eating this and we should be cooking this way. And so she's always been super into that. And just like, again, like quality over quantity in in all areas of life. Yeah, I think she definitely like saw the benefit. And she saw that I was like clearly into products and makeup and stuff. So I think she was like, here, read this because, you know, a lot of this stuff is pretty bad for you. So that was, yeah, like an early memory. And then... We have a history of breast cancer in my family, my mom's side of the family. And I also unfortunately witnessed, you know, a lot of illness, both with my mom and my aunt early on. My aunt when I was in high school and and then later again. And my mom when I was in university, my mom had breast cancer and that was kind of like a one to two year process and I think that that was really like a bit of an eye-opener I think it really hit hard especially because for my mom it was it was later in life for her she was about 60 and her thought and I think the kind of general consensus was that it was very much related to hormones and like hormonally linked with like estrogen and that literally could mean a million different things that's like everything in our environment to what we use to what we clean with to what we're putting on our bodies to what we're eating like it's just a bit scary i was also experiencing some skin irritations and issues and so it all kind of like came together and that's really when i started I kind of did like a overhaul of everything that was in my bathroom and really was like, okay, I need to take a closer look at what I'm using. The point is it was all kind of coming out in my body, even though I didn't think that's what was happening at the time. I was just like, oh, what is this like annoying eczema I have now? And like, why? And then I was going to like a few different dermatologists and no one could even tell me what it was. Mm. I literally was undiagnosed. It wasn't eczema. It wasn't psoriasis. It wasn't this, but they couldn't tell me what it was. Oh, wow. But they would just prescribe me like steroid creams and like cortisone and stuff like that. And it wasn't that wasn't even working Mm. or curing anything. So it was like a bit of a helpless kind of frustrated feeling. And then that's when I really took my own deep dive into natural stuff and oils specifically. And yeah, like at the time you bought that stuff at the health food store or Whole Foods or I didn't even really know where to 
get that stuff. So I was kind of like just started playing around and experimenting and then just doing a lot of research in terms of what was good for what and mm-hmm. and not just externally but internally really stuck with it because I noticed results pretty immediately, mm-hmm. which was very surprising yeah. at first. I was like, how is this possible? It's like the simplest natural ingredient and it's doing more than like a prescription cream has done Mm -hmm. for me. Do you remember the first oil you used or first thing you put it together? I think the one oil that like was kind of first on the market, so to speak, or Mm -hmm. like the one that people started talking about was argan oil, Mm. kind of made the most popular. I I think it was a combination, but... Argan was definitely in there. Jojoba. I started using things that were just like very gentle and kind of meant to be like soothing and calming and healing. Mm-hmm. Um, chamomile and calendula. Like I pretty much started with like pretty basic, simple stuff. Sunflower mm-hmm. seed. Mm-hmm. I was always like interested in learning more though. Mm -hmm. And then I had a couple friends who ended up going to school for holistic nutrition. Kind of they found their own new path and decided to kind of veer into that. And so I was lucky to kind of gain some knowledge from them and like ended up stealing a lot of their textbooks (laughs) (laughs) and just kind of learning about like aromatherapy and beyond what you can just like google you know because there's a lot of information out there but yeah i feel like what maybe back then wasn't even that much information out there yet no and it was a lot of like granola yeah stuff like diy websites Mm -hmm. very simplified like yeah you can make this in your kitchen with like avocado and yogurt and olive oil and that's great that can be great too but obviously i wouldn't call it a luxury skincare product and you know there's constantly new ingredients being not necessarily discovered but kind of like becoming more popular and that we're learning about from Mm -hmm. different parts of the world and it's like a constant learning process experimentation development and then when i don't know what i'm doing i look to people who do (laughs) to help me (laughs) Um, so now you're giving out samples to friends. Yeah, so I was, out. yeah, obviously, like, my mom was my number one <laughs> fan. She'll take anything. <laughs> She's like, free skincare? Great. <laughs> I think it was, like, a, a small idea in my mind to potentially make something of my own. But I was like, yeah, let me see what other people are saying about it. And the feedback was really great better than i had hoped it's kind of interesting because you i don't know if you you were doing this intentionally or not but that was kind of a focus group you created it and then do your market research (laughs) definitely was was not not intentional no people were just like what are these oils you're talking about i'm like here have a bottle and that was that was it (laughs) let me know how you like it so yeah it was totally just very casual and parallel to all of this i was working in retail again, in just, you know, not an environment that I could really handle being in anymore. And in that moment, I either had to just like leave and just like figure it out without a plan, or I would kind of be like stuck there. It was like a bit of a turning moment at that job. And so I left. And for the first time I like left something without having the next thing lined up. If I'm going to do my own thing, mm-hmm. I'll try and see what happens. And if it fails, I'll figure the next thing out. And so, yeah, that was kind of when I officially made the decision to start a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I spent the next just over a year mm-hmm. just like getting everything together and and then I launched about like, yeah, year, year and a half later. So Fmela is now launched. It contains so much more than just natural beauty products. With Fran's personal experience with skincare and her love for fashion, art, photography and beyond, Fran discovers a disconnect between luxury skincare and green beauty in the market. It was at a very interesting time that wasn't where the conversation was. And if you wanted to 
buy natural or green beauty, you had limited options of where to go and get it. Mm -hmm. Um, And there weren't too many lines that I knew of, at least. I'm sure they existed, but that kind of like did a number of things, a checklist of things. So that were effective, actually worked. And it wasn't just like, okay, sure, you can put this like one oil on you, but is it going to be the same as like this luxury cream that you've bought from the department store? Like, maybe not. So they actually were effective. They still felt and smelled beautiful and had the qualities of what you want to be putting on your body because everyone likes nice smelling things and things that feel, you know, smooth and silky and not weird and sticky and like they're sitting on your skin and also that they just looked nice (laughs) (laughs) because for me that was equally as important and so like you know I was still buying certain products from Whole Foods that were pretty good but I wasn't proudly displaying them on my bathroom sink so I felt like that's kind of where the gap there was a bit of a gap in the market and because it was like such a new kind of area for a line of products that had all of those qualities and that also was just like easy and effortless to use and didn't feel overwhelming and complicated and didn't have 20 different products that all kind of did the same thing and Mm -hmm. I felt like, you know, it wasn't just one thing. It was just a combination of a bunch of stuff that I didn't really feel like existed. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I've been following your journey for probably not, I wouldn't say since the really beginning, but probably not very yeah. long after that. <laughs> and and I personally think what really stood out was that exactly what you said, because now definitely more and more products are emerging in the market that are kind of similar now. But I think before when you started at that point was more about natural product and then they offering this particular look like mm-hmm. very green and then like green beauty. Mm-hmm. And then to me, that wasn't really resonate with me from a very superficial, totally. I would totally admit, yeah. aesthetic point, <laughs> point of view. And as you just say, like, I don't I would buy something from the Whole Foods store and I wouldn't necessarily put it on my counter. And that's not to say that yeah. one is better than the other. Mm-hmm. It's just just, you know, if I can get both, why not? I value beauty and aesthetic in other parts of my life. Yes, partially it is in a superficial way, but it can also not be. Like, it's what brings you joy. There's no shame in that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one thing to just buy something for the package, but the product sucks. Mm-hmm. But why not be able to have both. the total package? Yeah, yeah. exactly. One thing Fran has done fantastically well is branding. If you Google the meaning of quote-unquote brand, the definition that pops up is this, a promise of quality wrapped in experience. There are a few keywords here. First, promise. Yes, it's about the continuity of a brand message and aesthetic. Sometimes I would see an image on Instagram and instantly think, oh wow, that is very F. Miller. No doubt, she has done her branding well. Secondly, quality. And third, experience. Now looking at F. Miller, it's pretty clear that it has hit all the keynotes here. So I asked Fran, how did this vision come to life for her? Instagram wasn't the same as what it is today. And so I think... What's tough today is that it's so easy to kind of be surrounded and bombarded by like all of these other social media accounts and, you know, a lot of things do tend to kind of flow into each other and start Mm -hmm. to feel a bit monotonous and look the same. Mm -hmm. And I think that was always what I definitely didn't want and the initial like picture in my mind of what it would look like, I don't even really know where it came from. I think like the logo, I drew inspiration in terms of the font from a couple different things. And something I'm realizing right now is one of them <laughs> was a book on Mies van der Rohe. 
the designer of these chairs. Mm. Um, and the font, it was just like a super simple, mm-hmm. beautiful book that I didn't see in person, but I came across an image of it online. And the font just, it said just Mies van der Rohe on the very bottom in this like beautiful, strong typeface. Mm-hmm. And I love how that looks. And in terms of aesthetic, I think I really just like wanted it to feel clean, minimal. I was really thinking about what would kind of stand the test of time. Mm. At that time, I wasn't thinking about like what's trending now. You know, it was very much about like, if I'm starting a brand, I (laughs) better hope that I like the way this looks in 10 years if this is still going. So that's pretty much what what was at the forefront of my mind. It was Mm. like, what feels classic? What feels timeless? Because I think in general, that's just what I'm drawn to anyways. Mm. And just like simple but elegant and something I would really just simply I was selfishly doing everything for what I would like. (laughs) The whole thing is very selfish. (laughs) You know, I created a product for myself and my needs and I designed it the way that I would like something to look and Mm -hmm. what I would gravitate towards in a store or online or whatever. But I think that's kind of like, what else are you going to do when you're starting a brand? Like I'm putting my name on it ultimately. (laughs) So it might as well be a direct extension and reflection mm-hmm. of myself. Yeah. This is just what it has to be. <laughs> but I think it totally makes sense as you share is an extension of who you are as your aesthetic, as a person, as your taste. And I think that's a topic about a lot of marketing strategy is that the debate, like, should you have brand yourself personally and you professionally in terms of your brand or your business mm-hmm. separately, yeah. or should it be together? And I think to me, at least when it works is that brand professionally is actually an extension of who you are. I so think so pe- too. Right? So people see it that. Took me, so it took me a while to accept that too, I think. Really? Yeah. I'm pretty like, I wouldn't call myself shy necessarily, but like, I'm definitely an introvert. I am awkward in front of a camera and talking on a podcast and I don't feel at all to be honest (laughs) but I think you know like it's not a natural feeling for me to want to be like this is me and look at what I did Yeah. yeah so I actually like at the beginning I very much like I didn't want it to be I wanted it to be a brand that stood on its own I didn't want it to be associated with like a person necessarily I didn't want to have like my photo on the website and like a bio like I didn't Mm -hmm. see it that way and then I think just this it changed a little bit for me and I realized that yeah what are you attracted to you're attracted to a person's story and the personality behind something and does it feel genuine to you? So I realized there's nothing wrong with that I think it actually it's just more honest Mm mm-hmm And it can't be a detriment in any way, you know, unless you're like some sort of (laughs) psychopath. (laughs) But like when you kind of think about the brands that you love, regardless of what industry it is, it's like, what are you drawn to? I'm drawn to the person behind what that thing is generally. Mm -hmm. So I kind of accepted that Mm -hmm. I should just... (laughs) not be scared of that kind of thing yeah Yeah. i think definitely this connection of you and the brand definitely has done way more benefits than cons too good i'm glad i I can't even see any cons maybe cons just like you have to put yourself out there Mm -hmm. you have to be it's like a personal just challenge yeah ongoing kind of thing which can be good it's totally good yeah yeah are there anything like brewing right now that you can maybe share a little. Uh, well, so we are doing a bit of an update <laughs> <laughs> for our packaging. So that is in the works. Can you tell me why you decided to not rebrand it, but the packaging will change completely? I think, I mean, in part, it was because so many other lines now exist. And I mean, I am a bit of just a person who gets bored of things sometimes quickly not to say I'm bored of the way it looks now but 
the way I started was so like I did everything on my own. I kind of put it together based on what was accessible to me then on the most minimal budget I could. For me, it just came a point where I felt like we needed to grow in a different kind of way. And in a way, the first step to setting us apart again from so many brands that are out there now and, you know, having it feel even more elevated and luxurious and beautiful and not as maybe standard. I don't know Mm -hmm. if other people look at it that way, but... Um, and I've seen the packaging. Mm-hmm. You you oh. are one of the only people. Oh my God, you're so special. To have seen it. Oh, so beautiful. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, yeah I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to feel like it will feel different, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, a lot of the original yeah. details will remain. So it's not mm-hmm. going to look like a completely different brand. I think it's just going to feel a bit a bit more elevated. elevated. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say so. So that's happening, hopefully within this year. And um, a couple collaborations in the early stages. One of them, I will say it's not skincare related. Ooh. So we're kind of experimenting back and forth and yeah. prototyping some things. Ooh, I'm so excited. And uh, just timing wise, mm. we're kind of trying to figure out like, when it makes sense right more content is always fun and exciting Mm -hmm. and something we only recently really kind of started dedicating ourselves to so we did a couple shoots recently that were oh yeah i know i wanted to i forgot to ask you those umbrellas oh yeah oh my god yeah the umbrellas were at first i thought was photoshopped on no and no, then no. I saw few, <laughs> and then I saw a few other angles. I was been, like, probably no. would have been easier if I just photoshopped them. <laughs> no, but it wouldn't be as yeah. realistic. So I had what was the idea behind that? I was so excited. Um, so a friend of mine pretty much cooked this idea up. I think for me too, I definitely approach a lot of things, such as my Instagram feed in a in a more artful way. Mm-hmm. And again, that's just like the things I like kind of seeping in. Yeah. When I think of content, it's always like beyond just like a beauty shoot. And beauty shoots can be incredible and beautiful. But it's like, okay, what can we do to make it slightly different? Or how will it feel unique? So that was something where we're like, well, I haven't seen this really mm-hmm. done before. And yeah. I love the beach. It's my favorite place to be. <laughs> and just kind of creating like a mood and creating a really just a strong sentimental kind of feeling mm-hmm. to attach to things and almost feel like an art installation. Yeah. And then others just like playing with different angles and shapes mm-hmm. and like some of them we utilized bodies and skin and just kind of like capturing that kind of late summer mood I think was Mm -hmm. the goal just like that time when you're like oh god you know what's (laughs) around the corner and you're really holding on to the last bit (laughs) the last bit yeah and the weather it's just like this feeling in the air and the Mm -hmm. smell and just kind of really capturing that feeling in a set of images do anybody say anything yeah there were definitely people taking selfies with (laughs) the umbrellas behind them which was fine free free promotion and marketing there a couple people were like what's f miller so it's good advertising <laughs> yeah like gorilla style okay are you ready for the rapid fire no okay i'm ready <laughs> it's the fun one so this is the scenario that aliens or robots are taking over the world and then they're like we give each human being on this planet a mercy you can remember three memories and then after the brainwash process this is only three memories you can keep so what are the three memories you would like to keep with you there's so many it's hard to narrow down to three I mean, I'm not going to go chronologically, but I think one is when Jackie proposed to me. (laughs) That was a lovely memory to keep. We were just at home and it was just like so natural and unexpected and really lovely and just like such a private, intimate moment between two people. I was like truly happy in that moment. Um, 
So that for sure. Um, I think me and my mom went to Italy two years ago together just to celebrate her turning 70, my turning 30. She had me late (laughs) (laughs) and she was retiring. And so we don't often travel together. Uh, And we went to Italy for two weeks and did a cooking course and like had an amazing time. It's not a specific memory, I guess, but just kind of us being there Mm -hmm. together. Probably some moment where we were making cheese or something. (laughs) Oh, that's so fun. which was, yeah, a really amazing experience to get to do. And I was so grateful that we were able to do that together. And then I think also when I was younger, I used to, my aunt lived in Florida. I used to go almost every year, if not multiple times a year to visit her. And she was like basically my second mom, the closest to me. And I think those times spent with her, I would just on spring break, whenever all the other kids were like on family vacations, my parents were always working, so mm-hmm. I would just go. They would send me on my own, yeah. and I would go stay with her. I think those memories are really special to me. Yeah. So I now it's the that. same scenario, but three truths. Okay. So these are the wisdoms and truths that you can guide you through this thing called life after it's you even, got brainwashed. It's even harder. You have no life lessons. You have no oh ex- past experiences that can be remembered. Um, number one, I would say mistakes will happen and they are okay number two probably just like lead with love rather than fear no matter what you're doing you can kind of apply that question to anything like am i being led by love right now or am i being led by fear and i try to (laughs) steer towards one side even though it's very hard sometimes what else again sounds cliche but be true to yourself and yeah I don't know even know how to say it without it sounding like such a quote but yeah focus on what makes you happy and if you're feeling like something isn't sitting right chances are it's it's not right Mm -hmm. and if you're feeling like you're conforming to something it's time to kind of take a deeper look yeah and just kind of always Mm -hmm. self-reflect that's like maybe more than one thing (laughs) (laughs) that's okay uh and now and listen to your body. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's really true. Um, so now it's ultimate favorite film. Yeah, this is like the hardest one for me. I don't know why. Okay, like really recently, obviously, is... Oh, yeah. Call me by your name. Looks stupid. Okay, oh! ask me the question again. <laughs> call me by your name? <laughs> yeah, did you see it? Yeah, that's the whole... Our, our whole event was based on each oh. scent was going with a scene. Oh, my God. That was... Uh, and then we talk about how related oh, to that there. scene. It was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I would say. I love that film. Yeah. Call Me By Your Name, I think, you know, there's a million films, obviously, from the past, but I have bad short-term memory, so <laughs> <laughs> that, I think, is the is one that resonates mm-hmm. quite closely to me yeah. of late and just, like, so beautiful visually and the story is incredibly equally as beautiful and i love movies that kind of have no end necessarily like Mm -hmm. it just kind of feels like you witnessed just like a moment right and then the whole thing just kind of felt like one long moment right um so now it's a package um please use three or less words to describe the following love full style effortless (laughs) Object. Trying too hard for that one. (laughs) (laughs) Objects. I think objects should be meaningful. Mm. Aging. Beautiful. F. Miller. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Me. (laughs) It's just me. (laughs) F. Miller. I think... Oh, I'm not so bad at this. <laughs> you would think this is about your brand. It would be easier. Is it? <laughs> or is it me? Which F. Miller are you referring to? <laughs> I would say it's the brand. Yeah. I mm-hmm. would say I want to just like use random words. Like I, I, like I want to say like artful, pure, and classic, mm-hmm. I think would be 
Yeah, I think it's pretty accurate, at least from my interpretation. (laughs) So if you could be a person for a day, past or present, who would you want to be? Two people, but like the Olsen twins. (laughs) (laughs) Which one? You have to be one? I think I'd be Ashley. (laughs) Why? Well, we share the same birthday, I will say. Really? But so I've always felt a, a deep connection to that. No, I think I I really actually respect the insane business that they've built more so now than than like their childhood career, but I think it's just like such a different world and it would be interesting mm-hmm. to see what their life is like cuz it seems really a bit stressful actually. Mm-hmm. But that's like very more of like a pop culture answer. I think really, I think I would go with Georgia O'Keefe. Oh, yeah. I changed my answer. <laughs> it's that. <laughs> yeah, Georgia O'Keefe, I think, would be really incredible. And for your next life, if you could choose to be born in any city in the world, which city would you pick? Hmm, city, maybe Paris. I mean, it seems kind of obvious, but Paris is so beautiful. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I don't blame you for that. Yeah. So next question, also last question, is what are you currently seeking? Hmm. Seeking so many things. I think what comes to mind first is balance, (laughs) which everyone's idea of that is different. Mm -hmm. But I think balance. That's it. (laughs) Not bad. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening today. This conversation with friend really resonated with me. As someone who also has so many different interests and ideas, I've been constantly debating if I should move to the right or left or even taking a U-turn in my life. However, it's been more and more clear to me that Dear Seekers allows me to do all the things I'm interested in in one single project. From outreaching and connecting with the women I admire and find intriguing, to researching, interviewing, to editing the podcast, bringing sound to the mix, to directing the photo shoots with my friend Ryu, to writing the introductions, to managing social media content and hosting offline events. Oh. <laughs> and one of the reasons why I started a podcast with a photo shoot component is because I love mending the sound of podcasting with image of storytelling. However, that being said, Doing all of this on top of a full-time job is quite exhausting, I'm not going to lie. So to keep us going, to keep Dear Seekers alive, please take a second to leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Follow along on Instagram, Pinterest, Spotify at Dear Seekers. And kindly spread the word and love to your friends. I thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. Okay, this is a wrap. The next episode will be the last one of 2018. So see you in two weeks. Until then, happy seeking. Happy seeking.